wherever you are in the world. I'm Banankar Mustafa. In this podcast series, I will be talking to women leaders from around the world, as I believe passionately that the world needs more leaders and that we should celebrate women leaders in all walks of life, all countries, all communities around the world. So that's a lot of women and a lot to learn and share with you as a result of what they are doing and how they're inspiring others. I'm originally from Bangladesh, where I was a television newscaster and an anchor. I've lived in Canada for a number of years, and that's where I did my master's in human resources management. Like so many women who may be listening now, we share a lot in common. I'm a wife and a mother. Yes, I'm the mother of a beautiful daughter. Like many of you, I want my daughter to grow up knowing that she can achieve whatever she wants to and will not be held back because she's a female. I'm building a career and, as I said, I'm passionate about leadership, especially women in leadership. I believe all women are leaders. As we now embark on this podcast journey, where the focus is on women leaders, how they're doing what they do, and how they've become successful and more. I hope you'll stay with me along the way. There will be opportunities for you to connect with me on the blog, give feedback, and your views. And of course, liking the podcast and sharing it with your friends and colleagues will help us all get this leadership message to as many as possible around the world. I'm delighted to have as my first guest a woman who has been making a huge difference by developing other leaders, especially women. And like me, she's a Canadian. Kellyanne McKnight has a long track record developing women leaders. She's a certified master of what is regarded as one of the world's most widely recognized leadership development programs, the Leadership Challenge. She's been facilitating leadership development programs and coaching leaders at all levels for many years. Kellyanne was so interested in how we all, especially women, deal with adversity and how to improve resilience that she became an expert on this important subject and she authored the book, The Resilience Way. We all need to understand resilience and I recommend her book to you. She also developed an online training course specifically focusing on resilience. So let's talk to Kellyanne. Hi, Kellyanne. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Kellyanne. First of all, thank you so very much for joining us today. It's such a great pleasure to have you on a journey that we believe that is going to be a long and valuable podcast series for women who want to become better leaders. Well, I'm just so pleased to have the opportunity to share my knowledge. Anything that I can do to help other women is, is just a wonderful opportunity from my perspective. So, Kellyanne, as we all know that this is an era for women, I believe. And I believe all women are leaders. Because we see that all over the world, women are taking different leadership roles. They're challenging themselves and they're putting so much more efforts to become better leaders as well as in Canada, where we are based, right? Would you agree? Absolutely. No, I think that's very true. And I think that it is time for women to step up, step forward and be 
their true authentic selves in a leadership position. I think we're always doing it. I think sometimes we don't realize we're doing it and we don't value the contribution that we're making. And I think that's really where I see the opportunity for women to just understand a little differently, become a little bit more consciously competent, maybe just a little more aware of what the strengths that they bring and what they have to bring to the table so that they can continue to do that and do that more and and maybe in different situations where people need them to really step up. Yeah, for sure. So Kellyanne, we all know, as I mentioned uh, in the very beginning, that you are a very successful facilitator. You are an author and of course a coach. But I want to go back a little bit. How did it all start? When was the time that you realized that you want to develop leaders, not only become a leader yourself? Oh, that's a good question. So I began in a career in sales and marketing, which I was thoroughly enjoying. But I always have had this need, very deep need to be of service and to be helping And that really drove me into the area of learning and development and specifically into leadership development. And I love working with leaders who don't necessarily realize that they're leaders or don't understand the value that they can bring to the world as leaders. I love having the opportunity to really open people's hearts and minds to the idea that they have something special to bring to the world. And that the world, uh, you know, is better off when they are able to do that. So that's really what I was, you know, thinking when I got started. And so I have just continued through the last 20 years to look for opportunities where I can do that, where I can work with people who really want to become better leaders. And I've never looked back. It's just been a joy all the way along. That's so wonderful. And of course, I'm one of them. And I really look (laughs) forward to learning from you a lot, (laughs) Kevin. So as, you, as I will um, learn from you. You're so kind, Gillian. Thank you That's so true. much. <laughs> from what you just said, I gather that uh, sometimes because of not having the confidence in themselves and thinking about the imposed thoughts that we carry in ourselves, being women sometimes in, in a society where it is male-dominated, what sort of challenges do you see them facing and how do you think they can overcome them? So what I find is that we are surrounded, well, I should step back for one second and just be a little bit careful around what I'm going to say, because I wouldn't want anyone to think that I am stereotyping. I guess we are really, but we want to be careful around what we're saying in terms of it being all women or describing all women or not ever describing men. So some of what I'm going to be talking about really, or what to answer your question, it really gets into the area where we're talking about masculine and feminine rather than male and female. And in, in this day and age where we want to be respectful of gender equality and so on, we want to just be a little bit careful that we're making that clear that when I think about uh, leadership and what the world needs in terms of leadership, I think the world needs more feminine leadership. And that means that we need more collaboration. We need more empathy. We need people who really look for what other people need and are grateful and just bring that kind of flavor to leadership as opposed to what we're used to. And when you say, you know, we're in a male dominated world, I totally agree. What we're in is a masculine dominated world. And that brings things like a results focus and competitiveness. And it brings assertiveness and a lot of different things. Not all are bad. 
and situationally, we sometimes need a more masculine style of leadership. But I think that what we've seen with lots of the challenges we face in the world today, we definitely need this other piece. We need our feminine leadership to be there and to, to be comfortable to do what for many of us is very natural. For many of us is just how we prefer. It's our authentic way of leading. Uh, is to involve other people and to be that more feminine, sort of generous and nurturing kind of leader. So we need to, yeah, we need to celebrate that. We need to recognize that it is, it's needed and bring it forward and be comfortable to do that. Wow, wonderfully said, Kellyanne. What you just described prompts me to ask you another question. I believe that a lot of times they would say that, you know, women are not better decision makers. And that's probably because we value feelings and we, we value values more than our ego. So mm-hmm, yeah. how would you describe that for, uh, for women leaders? Well, I would really look at the assumptions and what we're, what we're, because I heard so many times exactly what you're saying. Women have trouble making decisions or struggle to make tough decisions. And I don't think that's necessarily the issue. When you kind of dig into that and unpack what that means, it means that someone thinks that people should be making decisions that aren't comfortable for other people. People think that decisions should be made quickly and assertively and, and yeah, I guess egocentric, right? So what's best for me or what's best for us as an organization, that's what we should be doing. And the reality, I think if you dig into that, some people probably believe that's absolutely true. When I say that, they're like, yeah, right, that's true. But for many of us, and I think if you if you look at the larger picture of the world and the long term, so you think about the simplest example, it's not simple at all, but environmental types of issues that we're facing, they don't need quick decisions. They don't need assertive decisions. They need collaborative decisions. They need people brought on board. They need people to be educated and understand problems at a deeper level so that they're on board and they're willing to make the changes and really work together with other people to make things happen. So it's almost like that other type of leadership, that more masculine leadership, you see results and you see quick stuff happening, but you don't see difficult stuff getting solved and you don't see people coming together to solve problems together in the same way that you you will when you see a more feminine style of leadership. So my take on that would just be that we need not to worry about what other people are saying about uh, this style of leadership that is more comfortable for many of us. And we just need to own it and understand that in the long run, it's what is needed. And it's what is going to bring those solutions to complex problems. It's what's going to bring more unity and, and more peace, honestly, as we try and solve problems together rather than looking for quick hitting results. And hopefully that makes sense. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this then. When we write a resume, there are some qualities that we mentioned there. Like we say results-driven and prompt decision-making, but we don't usually say empathy or anything around Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. from what you're saying, I gather that there are some other qualities that women have, like it's inherent, right? Most of the times those are overlooked. And we have set a rule that these are the qualities that you have to have to be a better leader. And these are the qualities that uh, you may or may not have, like they don't really have those in, in the 
scale, they're not that higher. So from your point of view, because you've been making, you've been developing leaders for so long, how would you say that women can be better, wonderful, stronger, and more resilient leaders? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a big one. So I'll start with, there's an interesting balancing act that uh, that has to happen, or maybe it's maybe it's better described as a personal preference to figure out what you are comfortable with, and then you have to kind of layer that, or maybe look at that alongside what your personal goals, your values, your vision, your plan, what you want to achieve in your life, what that looks like, and then there's not one way of approaching, right? So. You have to have that clarity piece. So you, you can't be a leader. You can't navigate the complex world of leadership, certainly of organizations, for instance, without having a really clear understanding of what matters to you, what direction you're trying to take and what your plan is to get there. But then once you have that, there's not one way of getting there. And there's not even one way of looking at the situation. So for some people, for some women, they will decide that, um, you know, sort of corporate uh, situations or large organizations with male dominant cultures are just not where they want to be. It might be that they're just so uncomfortable with that and it doesn't fit with what they're trying to achieve in their lives. And so they'll, they'll take a different direction. Maybe they'll be more self-employed. Maybe they'll build a business that is, you know, has a very different culture. Maybe they'll work in the not-for-profit sector. You'll find something that's comfortable. For other people, what they want to do and the changes they want to make are in those organizations, right? Or they're in that culture. They want to change that culture that's, that exists. And so for those women, they really have to dive in and figure out how to make change within what's already there. And that's so interesting and such a fabulous challenge, but everyone has to come to it with their own way. So I remember, for instance, um, early in my career, another woman sharing with me just this brilliant thought around how you communicate. And this isn't new. I didn't make this up. She didn't make it up either. The idea around if you're in a male dominated business organization and you're sort of find yourself sitting around board table, boardroom tables with predominantly men, then you need to be able to be heard and you need to find ways of communicating that are going to be heard and are our most natural ways. And again, we're stereotyping, but for many of us, I want to have a collaborative conversation. I want everyone to be involved. Sometimes that way of communicating isn't heard. And, and many of us have had this experience where you say something in that kind of setting and it's just blank faces. It's, it can be kind of funny, really. You look around the table and you start to wonder, am I actually here? But then 10 minutes later, someone else will say exactly the same thing. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. So to communicate in ways that make sense to other people, and that in this case, that the male dominated or the, the men around the table. So, you know, you can dive into that and figure out how to do that. And from there, you can start to make change, right? So I don't think we change the culture. I don't think we change the culture of organizations by avoiding them, right? By finding other organizations to work in. Sometimes we do dive into those organizations. We work with people and, and we hope that by our being there, by our modeling, our own authentic self by, um, you know, communicating in ways that make sense to them. But that doesn't mean 
putting our values aside. We still fight for the things that matter. We take on the conversations that are awkward and difficult, but are those moments when you just have to speak your truth and point out an issue or a problem that you see. And in that way, you're really leading in a way that's going to make change within those organizations and in those situations. If I can remember correctly, the last time you spoke, you also mentioned that we need to move on. We need to make changes. We need to do what we need to do, but not by selling our hearts, right? But from our discussion as well, Kellyanne, do you think somehow that in, in this society, women leaders are being forced somehow? Because you mentioned uh, a scenario uh, which happens all the time, right? It's, it's very common that in a boardroom, mm-hmm. something is said by a woman leader and it's not heard, but the same thing is said by a male leader. It's appreciated, right? So two questions I have from that discussion that, first of all, how do you think that women can change their approach and be heard? Because first of all, we cannot change our way of looking. We cannot sell our hearts. We are going to stick to our values. But at the same mm-hmm. time, we need to be strong and we need to really voice it out. We, we need to mm-hmm. show that we are capable. So how do mm-hmm. women do that? And at the same time, do you think that somehow women are also being forced to act like men because of the same reason? Because in a boardroom, women are not being heard. So do you think that at some point women are forced to act like men because they need to be heard? Oh, I wish I could just say no. (laughs) I'd love to argue that that's not true. But I think the reality is that in my experience, we we definitely find ourselves in those situations where, yeah, where there is a male-dominated situation, male-dominated organization, whatever. And so as a leader, you need to be able to communicate and influence and inspire people, period. That's one of the key things that leaders do. And so you're really just talking about a certain group of people who need to be approached in a certain way. And in this case, we're talking about people who are more masculine, right? And so because of that, they're more assertive. They're more, you know, focused on results. They like a strong approach, right? And, and again, we are so stereotyping here. There are all kinds <laughs> of men sitting at that boardroom table who yeah. don't, don't, it doesn't, this doesn't make any sense to them. It doesn't describe them at all. But the dominant culture looks like that. And so Mm -hmm. we, yeah, we do need to be able to modify our styles so that we're heard. Because otherwise, if you're not being heard, then you can't lead. If you're not inspiring people and motivating people, then you're not leading. And so you can be frustrated with this and sort of refuse to modify your style because you shouldn't have to and all of that. And unfortunately, though, you're not able to make change because you're not actually influencing or motivating anyone. So the opportunity is just like in in any situation, you have to come to that situation in a way that allows you to have that influence. And in this case, the situation we're talking about, which unfortunately is very common, it's about communicating in a way that, yeah, kind of meets the needs of the other people at the table. So for me, it's just about, I don't, I try and talk less, like I try to speak more, not quickly, but uh, to the point, I don't pussyfoot around, that's a funny expression, but you don't soften things, oh, I wonder if, (laughs) no, I think, right, or you don't say, what do others think about, You, you do more of just sharing your own thoughts, 
and then you you circle back to to sort of collaborate. And it's really once you build that respect, then you have the opportunity to bring in more of the feminine side. And I think that's really what you're going for is to build those relationships, build the respect, build the trust so that then you can bring and start to move that culture of that organization or or that team in a direction that is, you know, more inclusive. And also feminine way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we want to find the balance, right? It would just make so much sense to have a balance between, yeah, when there's situations that require a very assertive, straightforward, results-focused, let's get it done, logical way of looking at things, not so much focused on the values, but on the data and information, then we want to do that. But then what's unfortunate is that we tend to forget about the other side of things, which is where we really want to bring people in. And we want to think about our values rather than our corporate results. And we want to be able to creative, innovative, uh, and intuitive situations and and cultures. A, A balance would be great. And I think what you're describing goes so much with the current situation, because we were hit by this pandemic and we realized how uncertain things can be. And I think this new normal culture has taught us that there has to be different ways of leading an organization, because as we all know that more and more people have gone through depression and anxiety and lots of hurdles, right? So Mm -hmm. you cannot always be results-driven or assertive when you look at your people, right? You need to be people-oriented and you actually have to help them feel motivated again, feel engaged again, because it's a completely different world, I believe. Yep, absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I've certainly noticed in in coaching over the last 18 months, coaching those who have a more masculine leadership style, one of the biggest struggles for them is they they know or they've been told that they need to be nurturing, right? That they need to be supporting their people. And they're really struggling with that. They're finding that to be exhausting and really mm-hmm. outside of their comfort zone. It's not their norm. They've been promoted for getting results. Their people are struggling, as you've said, with depression and anxiety and and just basically not doing well, not feeling great, period. So it's really a challenge you know, when people are really not feeling resilient and they don't have those skills developed around being able to nurture and feel empathy for their, for their people. Kellyanne, we've been using this word resilient several times now, and that uh, leads me to asking you this question. Of course, I cannot let you go without congratulating you on your successful release of the book, The Resilience Way. So congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. The Resilience Way is uh, available on Amazon, and of course, it has a Kindle version as well, which is great. Kellyanne, we know, and we just talked about it, right? Because of the pandemic, there were many times when we felt that we have to be more resilient in the past 18 months or more, right? So from your perspective, what are the main reasons that prompted you to write this book? 
Mm. So the book came about as a result of my own personal experience, having lost my husband at 45 after a three and a half year battle with colon cancer. What I found was that during that journey, and then, at, you know, once we lost him, I was getting a lot of questions and, and just people approaching me to say, you know, you need to write a book, you need to share your experience. And at first, that was confusing. I didn't understand why anyone would want to know about this, this experience. And I didn't feel at the time, to be honest, like there was anything particularly extraordinary about it, especially in the grand scheme of things. So I look at what's going on in the world. And even this was 2012, when he passed, I, I looked at our world even then and thought, you know what, there's so many people struggling so much more than we did there. We've always said there's much worse things in the world than losing a beautiful husband and father. But what I what I found out and what I started to realize as people uh, kept making these comments was that it wasn't that the situation was so extraordinary. What was extraordinary was how we had handled the situation and how we had used our resilience and demonstrated resilience through that process. So that really began my journey into researching and, and trying to understand what resilience was, and then eventually became the Resilience Way, which is a model of resilience that is really holistic. And again, just like everything I do, I put it out there to help with the intention of helping people to develop these specific things that we need to have in our lives in order to be able to deal with the struggles that we find in front of us. And also to be able to get through those struggles and achieve what we want in our lives. So it's things like mental wellness, things all around emotional wellness period. So whether it's mental health or your spirituality, understanding your connection to the universe, we need to have great relationships in our lives and we need to deal with the relationships that aren't so great. We can't let them sort of pull down on our resilience. We need to be physically as well as we can. So we need to you know, look at sleep, nutrition, exercise, what we're doing with those things. And then we need to have that clarity that we were talking about. We need to be clear about our values, our vision, and our plan to move forward. Once we have those things in place, then we're ready to have hope and confidence and great problem solving. So that's another piece of it is just being able to look at what's happening, what needs to happen, and bridging the difference. And we put all of this together, we end up with this amazing ability to navigate through what's difficult and be able to set amazing goals for ourselves. Like the world needs us to step up. And if we can develop our resilience, then we can do it. And that's really what the what the purpose was. So it became a book. And then since COVID, it's become an online workshop and a coaching practice. So I couldn't be more wow. happy with how, how it's being received so far. Yeah, and I think it, it resonates even more with the current situation. I'm pretty sure more and more people are being helped. They're being supported by your book, by this program. So can you please also tell our audience how they are developing more resilience in themselves? Mm -hmm. And why is res resilience so very important? 
Yeah, so great question, because you know, I've been working with leaders now for 20 years. And I feel like, you know, when, that we really have been having conversations about resilience all along, I just didn't really know it. Because <laughs> many, many of the pieces, so we, you know, we talk about leadership in terms of being able to inspire and motivate people and being authentic and having clarity around who you are as a leader, and then being able to sort of have creativity and ways of diving into problem solving in new and different ways. And lifting people up so they feel like they can can do things and then being grateful right which is also another piece of the feminine leadership puzzle being able to express your gratitude and let people know when they're doing great things and so many of those pieces that are thought of as typical leadership behaviors are actually also pieces of the resilience puzzle and especially that personal clarity piece and you know people will sometimes say like where should i start in terms of building resilience and and when they look at the model, they're wondering where to begin. And there isn't necessarily one place to begin. I'll, I'll ask them to fill out the self-assessment and get a sense of what their strengths are and what their opportunities for development are. That might be one way. It's often about that personal clarity piece, which is values, vision, and planning. It's not complicated. It's really quite simple, but it isn't something that we tend to take the time to do for very selfless reasons, right? We think we can't have our vision or our dreams, right? We think that we're too busy worrying about, you know, other people or other people's needs, or we feel like we're stuck in our current situation. And because we haven't done this work, we don't see the possibilities. In other words, when you actually sit down and you do a values exercise, which is just as simple as looking at, you know, a bunch of words and deciding which of these things are most important to me, what are the things I cannot live without? And they're different for everyone. And that's why it's so important to understand what yours are. Once you have that, and then you can look at vision, which is, you know, what do I want to accomplish in this life? What do I, you know, we we often think about it, uh, not everyone loves this, but we're a very death phobic culture. So people don't like this idea, but it's very useful to think about what your eulogy should sound like. So when you're gone, what do you want people to remember about what you accomplished while you were here? And when you have that, that becomes your plan that becomes your, you know, where do I go from here? Well, implement that eulogy, right? Make it happen, create that plan so that you achieve what you what you want in this life. And then once you have that, then all of those stumbling blocks, so it's for, you know, for lots of women, I'm going to be stereotyping again, but I'll make stuff up, right? It's like, I have children who have needs, I have a household that I either, for many women, I run it by myself, right? And for other women, they have partners, wonderfuls, but they're still doing lots of that work. For lots of women, there'll be issues around choices they've made earlier in their lives. Maybe they didn't get the education that they might need to achieve that dream. And so there's all these stumbling blocks. But what's interesting is that once you have written down on paper, here's what I'm trying to achieve, you can then build a plan. And so many of those stumbling blocks with confidence and hope, which are also two pieces, key pieces of resilience, you can overcome those things, right? Without that plan, without understanding what it is you're trying to achieve, then those stumbling blocks feel insurmountable. And so you never actually look at them. You never actually think about creative ways of solving those problems. Wonderfully said, Kellyanne. Really, if you have that clarity about your values, vision, then you have a planning and then you you can just you just have to take on the challenges. But if you don't have the clarity and also having that confidence and knowing what I'm capable of, a lot mm-hmm. of times women know 
that they have capability, they have, they're strong, they're educated, but they lack the confidence they need, right? And when you write your visions and values on a piece of paper, it becomes more real to you. I have to write everything on a piece of paper and then I have to look at it. And then I I feel so much more enthusiastic. There is one other piece that I find for many women, one of the big stumbling blocks is that they feel once they've done this, so once they have the values and the vision on paper, they have a clear picture of what they themselves would like. They then stumble upon this idea that they can't or shouldn't go after that because it's not in the best interest of fill in the blank, right? Family, mm-hmm. children, whoever it is. And that I always find very interesting, but very common. And to to that, I always say, well, think about it from this standpoint, what do you want to model for those people in your life? And so for instance, your children, if you think that taking time away from your family to maybe get the education you need in order to accomplish your dreams, think about it in terms of what you're modeling for your children, that you know what, you can start your life, you can make some decisions that don't fit with your long term view. And then you can put the hard work and energy into upgrading and changing that so that you are following your dreams. And isn't that a better message to send than you know what your bed was made, your room was cleaned for you your whole life, and nobody ever asked you to empty the dishwasher, right? Isn't it better to actually demonstrate the strength that you have as a woman so that others can see and it's male or female children will just benefit enormously from that from that experience of seeing their parent really thrive. It's something so great that you just mentioned, Kellyanne, because sometimes I look at my mom and she says oftentimes that I had to sacrifice my my career for you guys. And that's happened to many, many, many women of her generation, mm-hmm. right? And just recently, I realized that I wanted to make a bold move in terms of my career as well. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, I have a baby who is just over two years old and I don't know how this is going to affect her. And it's it actually happened unknowingly that I said that out loud. And she said to me, you know what, just ask yourself from 10 years, 10 years from now or 20 years, what will your daughter ask you if you have not made that move? She's going to definitely right. tell you, mom, I would have loved you to take that step because Absolutely. I would have loved you to see a brighter personality in my mother, right? So Absolutely. ask yourself what you, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure your daughter is going to be very, very proud of you if you do that. Absolutely. So, I, you know, that made it so, so close to my heart because I compared mm-hmm. myself to my mother at that point. I think we really need to talk about the current situation where women are facing even more stumble blocks because, mm-hmm. because of the current situation, because of pandemic. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. And there's a lot of research that's really showing that we have yeah, had a disproportionate amount of the burden of the pandemic placed on us, whether it's from a caring for other people standpoint or from an employment situation. So, you know, many more women um, were in those jobs that really were either that disappeared for a while or or maybe forever. So yeah, there's no question that women are really struggling and, and will continue as we come out of this. It'll take a while, I think, 
their opportunity is really to do exactly what we've been talking about, though. It's really to find that resilience, to think about, you know, where do I go from here? What do I need to do? And when I think about women in those situations, one of the pieces we haven't talked much about in terms of the resilience model is around relationships. And so one thing that women, some people are, some women are really good at this, others could be better. And that is that asking for help piece, right? Some of us are absolutely allergic to asking for help. And we need to get much better at building a support network around us. And it can be, it should be, it will be a two-way street. It's not that you are, you know, you should, I'm not suggesting anyone should start asking other people for everything they need and never offer anything. Nobody would do that. A lot of women, if if you ask them for something, they absolutely are there 100% of the time, but they never ask back, right? They never return the favor by asking you to help them. And so as we're coming out of this and the struggles we've been through are real, there's some issues we need to sort out as we're coming out of this pandemic. I think that women really can ask one another and ask others, period, not just other women, but um, yeah, ask for that support that you need. Ask for child care help, ask for elder care help, ask for career support, find people who are doing the job that you'd like to do. Maybe for some, although the financial burden can be enormous, but maybe for some people, the opportunity is to to change your career path, find people who can help you do that. And, and if you think about it in reverse, when people ask you for help, we're, we all step up. There's not very many people who really don't want to help, but we're not always very good at asking for that help and we need to get better at that. For sure. What would be your three best recommendations for whoever is thriving to stay resilient because it is challenging, right? Absolutely. I think the key here is you need to tune in to who you are as a human being. And and that brings your authenticity to the surface, right? So first of all, as a leader, we need to be authentic because if we don't have that, then nobody cares. Nobody wants to follow anyone who who doesn't read as, yes, I get who you are and everything you do, all your behavior aligns with what I see and it all makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, then we just build a bit of a barrier. We, we kind of protect ourselves a little bit because we know this person isn't authentic. So authenticity is first and foremost. And then from that, your leadership style will just flow, right? So your values will come out of that and people will understand who you are and what you mean as a leader from there. And so if I was to say three, the other two might change depending on who it is. For me personally, service is key. I mean, I want to be in service as I lead. I want to be helping people as I lead. And that's the, you know, that's really the type of leader that that I want to be. And so, yeah, and the other piece of it would be, I want to be the leader who encourages other people. And so for many of us, that is something that we want to do. We understand the value of encouraging people and, you know, the, the value as a leader of, of pointing out when people are doing good stuff, when they're doing things well, but we tend to forget to do it. And so for lots of reasons, often it's just, it's kind of what we've learned, you know, we haven't learned that we have to, or uh, we, we, we should really take the opportunity to, to congratulate people and to thank them for their great work and to point out the good things they're doing. But that's another key piece from a leadership perspective. So, yeah, I think if you ask for three, that would be it for me. It'd be, you know, be be that credible, authentic leader, do it in service to other people and really 
don't forget to encourage people and really lift them up, show them what their strengths are so that they feel energized to carry on and, mm-hmm. and really take on the challenges that they face. Awesome. I learned so much from this conversation, Kelly, and thank you so much. So authenticity, stick to your values, uh, being aware of ourselves, taking care of our emotional well-being, and just be confident. I I think those are some of the key pieces that I have learned from this conversation and so much more. Kellyanne, once again, your book, The Resilience Way, is available on Amazon and also it has a Kindle version. I hope and believe audience will read it because it is valuable. It It is an amazing book. And I wish you continued great success in the future. Thank you so much. And we will talk again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This has been a great pleasure. Thanks for including me. Kellyanne has so much insight about leadership. I loved my conversation with her and I hope you did too. In the next podcast, I'll be talking with the first woman of Japanese heritage to be elected mayor of an American city. Joanne Yukimura has a fascinating story to tell. Like many of us, Joanne didn't believe she could do what she ended up doing. Does that sound familiar? Joanne is truly inspiring and humble. Please join me on the next podcast as I talk to Joanne Yukimura.